0: Welcome to Friends You Wish You Had. We are not those friends. I'm joined, as always, by Jeff down in Florida. What's up, Jeff?
1: What's up, Roman? What's up in, uh, in New York City?
0: In New York City? In the you capital know, of Corona. Same. Well, not anymore. I mean, we're not doing great, but the, the Midwest is is getting killed. Don't want to talk too much about coronavirus. We sort of, feel like everyone knows about it, but I did just see, I don't know exactly where it was. I saw on Twitter you know, someone was sharing photos posted by a nurse, I believe, showing that they, you know, showing what happens when the hospitals run out of capacity and, you know, you're sort of, you're talking about, uh, you know, a whole bunch of beds just in the middle of a, you know, warehouse type environment, you know, and there's even like cribs there for the children that, uh, might might show up. So COVID's not going well. I mean, last week we did talk about it. So I guess one way we can just sort of have our conversation is to have a little bit of good news. Um, I, uh, I said on last week's podcast that uh, the musician, who's the 33-year-old musician from Chicago uh, known as uh, uh, Jeremiah, I said that he was on a ventilator in the ICU Apparently he is now off the ventilator and out of the ICU and he's in a regular hospital room. So that's nice, 33-year-old kid uh, on his way back. But otherwise, you know, it's just, we got 200,000 people getting sick every day right now or getting testing positive. If if 0.5% of those people die, that's 1,000 people. It's pretty brutal. You know, 1,000 people basically every single day getting uh, tagged with potentially dying in the next few weeks. People are still doing Thanksgiving. What can you say, you know, that we haven't said a million times? It's just depressing and this country doesn't know what the hell it's doing. No one thinks it's going to happen to them.
1: I can't argue with that.
0: Anyway, uh, so I did want to talk about basketball a little bit today, do something a little bit lighter. Um, um, There's not a ton going on, but we do have the NBA offseason, which has some... Some interesting stuff going on as far as the most interesting being some top players demanding trades. You got Russell Westbrook and James Harden demanding trades. John Wall seems to have demanded a trade. I saw some jokes about that saying, you know, like why wouldn't the Wizards want to do that? Because what they're paying him like $40 million or something like that.
1: He hasn't played in like, I don't know, two and a half seasons. It's crazy
0: yeah they they they're set to pay him like 40 million um this next season. Um, so i mean those are the really the biggest stories, um I mean, anthony, you know, so anthony davis is in contract extensions, the lakers lost rondo, um, i guess the biggest big name free agent, gordon hayward, who people were making fun of for turning down 34.5 million i believe it was, uh, thinking he could do better. He did much better with the charlotte hornets getting four years and 120 million at the age of 30 having shattered his knee already so um congratulations to gordon hayward for making a ton of money i really wish i had spent more time in my youth trying to dribble because when you see some of these players that are just like you know would be the seventh guy in the team just pulling in 10 15 million a year it's, it's pretty fantastic um You know, we, I guess, I didn't have a question. I was just started doing a general summary of the NBA. Um, And then you've also got, uh, happened a couple months ago already, but you got Doc Rivers going to the 76ers along with um, Daryl, What's-His-Face from Houston to be the new GM. Darryl Morey. Darryl Morey. So the 76ers, um, so they, they've yet to do much, but they've got Darryl Morey and they've got um, – or actually they, trade Al, they traded Al Horford to get rid of that contract. Anyway, what jumps out at you from the NBA offseason right now? I mean, James Harden and Russell Westbrook is kind of hard to ignore.
1: You know, I wish someone would just be – someone would be like, listen, you're making 40 $50 million a year no one wants to trade with you, trade for you, because you've never performed up to the level of that contract. And your contract is so massive that why would anyone want to take it on for that much longer? Uh, No one seems to want to uh, just kind of say it like that in the case of some of these guys. And, you know, I, I like the idea that players should be able to play wherever they want to play, but it seems like the downside is up you've got to stay with your team and they still owe you 120 million dollars for the next three four years uh it's a bit of a strange situation so see,
0: he's getting 41 this year he's gonna get 44 the next year and then uh <clears throat> then he has a player option 47 million
1: it's it's yeah it's uh, who are you talking about uh
0: james, Harden. Oh, james James Harden. Harden.
1: yeah i mean i understand why he wants to be traded but i if i'm Houston. I guess there's a lot of talk of Houston's like trading, you know, he wants to go to the nets and if I'm Houston, well, sure. I'll trade you, but then you got to send me KD or Kyrie. Like, why would I just trade him? You know, or maybe I trade him, but you got to take Russell Westbrook too, or something like that. I don't know.
0: I mean, how do you even make that work? I mean, the nets, you know, you, net salary cap i mean it's just the the, the madness i mean it's it's tough it's tough to trade a player making let
1: me let me ask you a more philosophical question do you believe in salary caps when it comes to sports are you a capitalist or are you a socialist
0: well i think there's something in between you know um i like revenue sharing that makes sense um I'm biased. You know, I'm from New York. I grew up a Yankees fan. I'm a Knicks fan. Um, it, I, I don't know. I it, I almost said, get rid of the salary cap and let the market decide. <laughs> so clearly part of me is a capitalist. I would, I, you know, the players obviously would love it. Um to assert, I think, you know, I mean, now you've got, my God, now the NBA, but even with the salary cap, now you have NBA players making more money than baseball players. For the longest time, baseball players were the ones making, you know, we used to talk about LeBron making like the highest salary he could make based on like the rules in the previous collective bargaining agreement where he's making like 20 million a year as the best player in the NBA and Clayton Kershaw, who could walk, uh, you know, could walk through any airport in America without being mobbed. Was making like thirty something million, but anyway. Generally speaking, I, I don't love salary caps. I don't love salary caps.
1: I find myself, I'm a, you know, in in many areas, I find myself to be a, much more of a socialist. Um, but when it comes to sports, man, if you're rich enough to buy a team, you should be able to. Z- assemble whatever squad you want you should be trying to have a squad that's going to win the title or the ring or the championship every year for a decade it's like not a if you if you're not in the business of owning your team to make money because you have so much other money like this is america you should be allowed to do it that's one way in which i i mean i love uh you know i love international soccer although they've started to have a salary cap and a luxury tax of sorts now, too, I understand, but...
0: Yeah, I don't like, know what the... You know, financial fair play rules, I don't know exactly how they work, but they have... There's some something about... I'll just look it up real quick, but yeah, there's basically... It's trying to prevent teams from just dropping, like, $800 million in an off-season if they wanted it's to. It's
1: like those rules are there to make it a business so crazy rich owners don't, you know, overextend themselves when they get too competitive, so... I mean, I guess it's the way that the owners want to run their business of their league. But I want—I'd I'd be the owner saying, if I'm rich enough to pay, you know, to have a payroll of half a billion, that's my business. Like you don't—I own Picassos too, you know, whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I mean—that's part also, of the
1: competition too. If I was an—I think if I was an owner,
0: and yeah, also I'm never
1: going to be an owner.
0: And it's not, it's not as simple as if you get rid of the salary cap, then the richest person wins. I mean, we've seen it happen in baseball totally. where, I mean, they now have the luxury cap or the luxury tax, but like, you know, watching George Steinbrenner, who was like a legit billionaire, just go absolutely crazy with his money was one of the most entertaining things to happen to baseball in 30 years. And Half the time, it didn't work. It was just he he loved the shiny new thing, trading for this, giving the free agent all that money. I mean, sometimes he he ruined baseball teams by just trying to do what was the most expensive thing that other teams couldn't do. I mean, it's sort of the Yankees when they went from winning uh, the World Series four out of five years to not winning, uh, you know. Steinbrenner
1: didn't believe in rules so much that he was thrown out of the game.
0: He was suspended. For a few
1: yeah. years for doing all kinds of crooked shit.
0: Yeah. So
1: maybe that's a little too far, but, you know, I'm, I I find myself uh, very, uh, very sympathetic to, uh, you know, the hardcore principles of the free market when it comes to my sports.
0: Yeah, and you got Moneyball, and you've got what the Tampa Bay Rays are doing right now. Even without a hard salary cap in Major League Baseball, uh, you know, you, you still have, you know, teams –
1: Anytime there's a, a super team, even in the area of the salary cap, I mean, everybody wants to watch. Everybody's got to tune in. They either love them or hate them. And you know, I would just, I just picture myself if I was Jeff Bezos, I'd be like, man, I'll buy the whole league just so I can have my team, and they're gonna win every year, and I don't care because it's all for me.
0: Well, and the other side of it is like when you look at like international soccer, which is like wildly popular. They don't even have a draft, right? So. Even if you, let's say you got rid of the salary cap in the NBA and you could have a team like LA or potentially the New York Knicks, um, you know, give as much money as they want to as many players as they want, try to create a crazy super team, you know, it's not, it's not going to, this stuff isn't necessarily going to happen overnight. You, you have the draft, you have, You know, these leagues still have, you know, rights to players for four years. and Totally. And there's other rich guys.
1: It's not like you're the only one. Although in the NBA, like the NBA, for example, Steve Ballmer is the richest owner by far. And there's a bunch of billionaire owners. And it's a little ridiculous to say there's a lot of billionaires like feel sorry for the poor billionaire. But Steve Ballmer has like, you know, more money than half the owners combined or something crazy like that. Like he wants to see his team win and why shouldn't he be allowed to do whatever the fuck he wants with his money? It's a contest, you know, it's a contest between owners. Like that's the joy. Otherwise, like to me, that would be the exciting part of being an owner is like, see that player. I'm going to hire him. Like you're telling me who I can hire. You're telling me what the profit of my team needs to be and what I spend. And, and I guess, again, they all own it together as a business. So it's not like any one owner is making these decisions unilaterally. So I, I do get it but it, I think it would be fun to just have an owner. And I'm always amazed when fans get so into like talking about the salary cap and like, how can this guy get this much money? And uh, commentators, podcasters, announcers, broadcasters, whatever, they're always like, you don't want to pay the luxury tax. Oh, look at look at Charlotte. They're paying the luxury tax. Like what the fuck do you care if they pay the luxury tax or not? Like yeah. what is it? Oh, they're in the tax. Oh, it's not good. doesn't look good for their ownership group. It's like, why? Because they're worried about making money or they want to win a title? Like, what do you care? They know what their bottom line is. You know, like maybe their fucking other gazillion businesses made so much money that they don't give a fuck. And they're happy to pay the luxury tax. Like, that's the least important thing to me in sports is like what teams are paying the luxury tax. It's absurd.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Yankees took that very seriously. At one point, they were like, "We are we got to stay under the luxury tax." I get why the owner of a team doesn't like the idea that. I think because well, I think the, the baseball had the progressive luxury tax, where it's like the higher you go above the tax, the higher the percentage of it you have to like. You know, it gets to the point where if you're a certain amount above it, the amount you are above it, you have to pay the whatever that amount is to the league.
1: But I'll it's say part of it with the Yankees a, a little bit. And, you know, and of course, the Steinbrenner family is very wealthy. But part of the reason they're so wealthy is they own the Yankees. There isn't another fortune out there. So at a certain point, I'm sure the realities of the, that team as a business kind of kick in, you know. But if yeah. you're the guy who can be like, yeah, I just bought the Yankees for $15 billion and I'm worth $90 billion, like, you know, you don't care you know, you don't give a shit. But you know, most people who make $90 billion, they care about where their money goes to. They're not in the business to lose money. So that's not to say they would all be crazy owners. But I just want to see the one guy who's like, whatever it takes. I'm putting a flag in the ground and I want to win 10 titles in a row, especially it would be the best to me in football, because football is so governed by the hard salary cap. And you know, like, no, like any team that wins a Super Bowl in the next year, they're immediately shedding like so much of their roster because of salary cap concerns. And, you know, they have kind of a cycle where they build up to, you know, where they're totally maxed out with free agents and players that they've had to keep and they win or they don't win and the window closes and then they kind of shed all those players. And it's like, I just want to see the one football team that's just like, <laughs> we're signing everybody, we don't care.
0: It would be it would be fun to see. I mean, you know, a little bit it would it would sort of just straighten itself out because you know it'd be tough to afford. The fact remains, like you look at basketball, James Harden. And by the way, the salary cap now is like one hundred nine million, and they're they're offering him fifty. They're basically offering him like forty eight percent or forty seven percent. It's absolute madness. But like, yeah, like
1: well, in basketball you can go over the cap if it's your own player, but then you pay right the luxury right. tax in football. But, you know, but it's quite cap.
0: But quite frankly, in basketball, you got 15 people on the team. And in football, you've got 50 something people. Yes, total. So, so there's a lot more to pay for. But it is crazy that in football, after everything like Le'Veon Bell did, and he was still 27 years old, and it was considered madness to give him $15 million.
1: Yeah. Oh, you know, that when they talk about that, oh, Le'Veon Bell, the Jets, what a disaster. You know, they gave him a $30 million contract, and I think he got like 25 of it. You know, the guy was like arguably the three or four best running backs in the league for like five years. Yeah. You know, no, it's, it's like, absolutely oh, we can't compete because we gave that we gave it's like the Cowboys, like oh overpaid Ezekiel Elliott. And it's like fans really are invested in that. They're invested in the business of their sport and of their team. And, you know, oh my God, my family. I mean, they're insane Yankee fans. And I can't tell you how many conversations we had about all the money they were paying Alex Rodriguez, you know, back in, this is, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012, when A-Rod was just really hated, you know, it was just really like he was just stealing money and he suspend suspended and, you know, and, uh, and I, we were in Tampa when he was going for a 600th home run. And despite all the shit talking, you know, the whole game, when he was, you know, he was at the plate, everybody stood on their feet and wanted to see him hit that 600th home run. So I felt like he was kind of earning his money. You know, we were there to be entertained, and that's what he was doing. But, oh, my God, just fans were just like, if they weren't paying A-Rod, they could be doing this with the money, and they're at the tax, and they're, or they're at the cap, and they're paying the luxury tax because of A-Rod. And look at that guy, and he's taking the steroids, and he's suspended. It's like, Jesus Christ, dude. Like, why do you fucking care how much money he makes? Like, how does yeah. it impact you at all in any way except, man, the brilliance of sports, I think, in the last 10, 15 years – is like fans have become, they know more about how the business of sports works than they do how the business of the country works. It's unbelievable. They could tell you more about salary cap and luxury tax hits and player contracts and guaranteed money than they could about, you know, about dividends on the stock market. It's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I, you know why people love to hate A Rod. I don't know. I mean, I wanted to hate him. I kept having to check myself and be like, "What? What is happening in my brain?" It's got to be just a little bit of like, "Yeah, he's he's Some very
1: buffoonish go- stuff." You know, he's
0: sure. he yeah. Well, he's but he was buffoonish for sure, and like doing things like you know, it didn't help when he like got you know was married with kids and got caught. You know bringing a woman into his room and it was on the front page of every paper and you know new york loves to shit on someone for doing stuff like that or, but like yeah i don't know he was very good looking he was very rich he was not like the new york style type guy he was a little like you know you know r- around the time when the term metrosexual that offensive bullshit was being said you know and i
1: he was an early metrosexual
0: you know, but why people got mad at him. And like, I, I always used to say that you that everybody needs to study Derek Jeter because Derek Jeter wasn't some uniquely amazing human being, As you know, very good at baseball, very personable, great with the press. Didn't get into trouble doing things, but somehow that guy managed to, uh, you know, be a star athlete, and go to a strip club practically every damn night and never have a single bad word said about him.
1: Allegedly. You don't know. Allegedly.
0: Uh, I guess. My favorite alleged story about Derek Jeter was that he would have a gift basket waiting in the limo for a woman when she was uh, taking the car home from his place the following morning, and the joke was that in there, there would be like a signed baseball baseball. and stuff like that. (laughs) See now, I I think I don't know if I believe the signed baseball thing. I do believe, like, why wouldn't you have some nice little package of things for the woman who you're buying a limo for to drive her home? You might as well put something nice in there, maybe a chicken sandwich, um, you know, an egg breakfast, depending on what time she's leaving. Why not? You're rich. You do shit like that.
1: I think Jeter has had a, in my eyes, a, a huge resurgence in the last week or so. You know, he was definitely. It was kind of. I always have a little A-Rod, Derek Jeter race in my head. And clearly in their playing days, Jeter was, you know, far ahead. And then post-playing days, I mean, A-Rod has really emerged as this incredibly likable, honest, effusive guy. It's incredible. You know, He's who doesn't love A-Rod these days? And... You know, Derek Jeter gets involved in the shady Marlins deal, and they're terrible, and it seems like a bad investment, and the Marlins suck, and they have this boondoggle stadium, and they ditch their best player. It's just the whole thing is a shit show. But then this week, he hires, I want to say Karen Ang, I believe is her name. Is it Karen? The first female GM in Major League Baseball in any major team sport in America. I'm so impressed. It is super impressive. Kim. Kim Ang. I'm sorry, I blew that. Um, but super impressive. And Derek Jeter, you know, he's, uh, he's, I think he's, uh, he's back in the game. I think he, he, he leaped past A Rod in one bold stroke.
0: I mean, he was always going to bounce back. He was always going to bounce back.
1: Yeah. I don't know about, not with the Florida Marlins, but, but, you know, I, I was, I should never doubt, uh, the
0: captain. Never doubt the captain. Never, never doubt, doubt the, the captain. captain. No. And then the
1: other thing was learning about, um, Kim, Karen, yeah. Kim, Kim, Kim. Kim. He, you know, I mean, she's been in major league baseball for quite a while. She's had a, def- a bunch of different front office positions and listening to her story and the terrible treatment she received from all these male executives in baseball. It was just fucking horrible. And This woman had the brilliance, the resilience to, uh, you know, to hang in there and like keep doing what she loved. And, 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 you know, now is the GM of the Marlins. is very impressive. I got a shop for a Marlins hat, I think.
0: I like that idea. You got the Marlins hat. You got the Bucks hat already. I
1: got the Bucks hat.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I got it's, the Bucks
1: hat and the Bucks hat, if you know what I mean.
0: It's, yeah. <laughs> With the K and without the K. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, it is. It's, uh, it is very impressive. We'll see how it goes. She has the weight of all women on her shoulders, Jeff. Um, now, I mean, we'll see how it goes. I mean, it's a tough job for sure. She's not starting with a ton. But, you know, got to wish her the best. It's a good move from Derek. Good move from Derek.
1: Good good move from Derek Jeter. I like it.
0: <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, anything else before we wrap up? Anything?
1: Have, have, the, uh, have the Knicks made any exciting moves? I saw they just signed Nerland's Noel to a one-year $5 million deal. So...
0: I did not see that. I mean like so far look. I mean I I, I like we'll see the the new um, the new Knicks management whose names I forget. So Worldwide West is there. The dudes from uh, CAA, yeah. I Leon. mean
1: I, yeah, I think they've avoided any bad you contracts. Got him. So I'm you got, him.
0: you got him you got Leon Rose. I mean, you know, they haven't been in in power there for very long. They haven't even been able to do anything. Um you know, they've only been able to really do anything for a couple of weeks now. Um, yeah, I mean, looking at who the Knicks drafted, I didn't spend a lot of time researching the draft, but I spoke to some friends of mine who are always obsessive Knicks guys. They, they, they were hoping for, there were two players that people I was talking to were hoping the Knicks took in that, with that eighth pick. One of them was who the Knicks ended up taking, um, Oppen. Right. Sorry. This time of year, I'm always uh... oh Toppin, Obi Toppin. So we'll you know we we'll see how top, uh, Toppin goes. Um, Knicks tried to do some fancy stuff at the bottom of the draft to you know get. I believe they were trying to get a player from Duke, uh, who ended up being taken one pick before there, so that didn't work out for them. Um, and then they basically purged a bunch of their roster. They purged guys who didn't have guaranteed contracts. They purged guys that you know where there was a team option rather than a player option freed up 40 million dollars in space also got rid of some of those forwards and some of those big men's that everyone was talking about was you know a glut of big men on the knicks so they got rid of them to make room for for Toppin to to do his thing and we'll see what happens with julius Randle. um i've always liked julius Randle. people always give him a shit but i mean he played well for the knicks last year he's the best player they had whether or not he can you know, what, what, what number he would be on a very successful team in the NBA today, three or four, something like that. I, you'd have to assume probably if you want to have a super team, he's got to be closer to the four. Uh, not position, but as far as your best uh, – how good he is in the hierarchy of the team. We'll see. It, you like the management. We've been down this road before where James Dolan says, look – I'm giving the keys over to smart basketball people. You know, if the Knicks suck, it's not my problem. Steve Mills has been with the Knicks for a really long time, and he's one of the kind of consistent – one of the people that's sort of been there consistently while they've been bad. He carries
1: Dolan's guitar from show to show, right? That's his job with the Knicks.
0: I don't know. I mean, they, they gave that guy a ton. You know, he had a bunch of power. Look, it,
1: it, He's an FOJ. He's a friend of James, man. I give it to James. He's a friend of James. He, it he does seem like... He his, his his boys, his people.
0: He definitely does. You know, it too does much seem,
1: sometimes in the case of Isaiah Thomas, but...
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. It does seem like Steve Mills is uh, being dropped a couple notches. Um, so, you know, we'll see how it works out. I mean, the one... There's a million things going against Dolan. The, the most glaring one is... The Knicks have been the worst team in the league since he bought them. That's tough to argue against. It um, is. And, you know, but on the flip side, maybe he, got, he somehow got lucky with the Rangers. He owns the Rangers, too. And the Rangers have been a fairly successful team. They've been to the Stanley Cup finals. They've had some good drafts. They just, did a, they just broke down, uh, did a rebuild, and did it very quickly and very successfully. So I guess Dolan figured out who to give the keys to in hockey. He just hasn't quite done that with basketball. So who knows? Maybe uh, Worldwide West and uh, Leon Rose can yeah, finally they just, turn this thing around.
1: They just need to keep like grinding and not. They need to show that they're a sane organization. You know, for lack of a better word, that you know that some of these bigger name free agents, of course, they would be excited to go to the Knicks. But I think the rap on the Knicks is is like you got to deal with James Dolan, and he's a nightmare. And nobody wants to really deal with him. He has a terrible reputation. I saw he just got beat in federal court in that his case against Oakley. I mean, it's, it's ongoing, but he lost some 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 motion or something. Oakley
0: um, Oakley won the right to have a jury trial. There it is. There you go. Which um, you can imagine, yeah. Which clearly he wants,
1: <laughs> of course,
0: in New York um, City.
1: But so you know, and just and not get sucked into the like. You know, I've heard this week. Oh, they'll trade for Russell Westbrook. It's like, don't do it. Like, just stay flexible. Keep a lot of cap space. Have a lot of deals you can, you know, that aren't going to be on your books for more than a year or two. Draft and see what happens. Like, you're going to get your guy. You know, it's like, and they've they've been close before, but they can't help themselves. They just lose their mind. Whether it was, you know, not getting LeBron and then signing a signing Amari Stoudemire. It set that whole crazy thing in motion and then overpaying for Carmelo instead of waiting for him to be a free agent. That, you know, was fucked up, even though that wasn't the worst team. And, you know, just a lot of huge contracts to mediocre guys, which I think is the, sort of the Dolan legacy. So yeah. don't you know, stop doing that. It's not rocket science. And just, you know, just keep folding, you know, just keep playing, just keep folding and wait till you get that good hand. And it's the Knicks. Like at some point, something positive should happen right
0: it's got to happen it's got to happen yeah I've, I, I i haven't said this on the podcast before but i once uh so i i used to do some journalism back in the day and i once interviewed steven seagal steven seagal had started his own blues band and it so i interviewed him and then i went to go see the blues band play and shoot some b-roll and blah 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 Steven Seagal's blues band was really good. And why was his blues band really good? Because he pretended to be the lead singer and he pretended to be the lead guitarist, but he wasn't. He, he, you know, he stood in the spot where the lead stands, but he, he sang quiet backup. he played just a couple random notes here and there, and he was surrounded by legitimately good blues musicians that he paid to make him look good. And the band was fun and it was fun to watch james dolan also started a blues band and he also stands where the lead singer and the lead guitarist is supposed to stand the problem is he actually does those things and he's (laughs) terrible and he's terrible at those things and so his blues band sucks and so james dolan is more delusional than steven seagal and that's 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 an important thing i think to point out that even steven seagal when he does these vanity projects at least does them to the point where it's a it's a quality product, and he takes all the credit for it. But it's a quality product. James Dolan, man, he just you know writes songs about Trayvon Martin and writes songs about Harvey <laughs> Weinstein. The Weinstein song, which I believe was called "I Should've Known" or some <laughs> shit.
1: James Dolan is why owners are like, "Yeah, we're glad they're salary caps because we're fucking crazy."
0: You know, I <laughs> who mean, knows
1: what we would do if there wasn't a salary? Yeah.
0: He's a delusional human being, he, he, he's delusional, he can't handle criticism, he throws people out of the stadium, like left and right, six, there, six his entourage on people for just like, I mean, you know, being able to yell an insult at some rich owner is sacrosanct in New York City.
1: You know? You, like you gotta just be like bring it on i'm the owner motherfucker but instead this guy's like so thin-skinned
0: gotta be above it but i just can't. saying
1: behind the scenes i just feel like there's quite a story going on with in james james Dolan's world man
0: I come to think of it though i mean george steinbrenner he might have done the same shit but he probably would have done it more intelligently he wouldn't have if someone cursed steinbrenner off while he was walking down the street he would have pretended he didn't hear it and then sent a guard back like an hour later And like slipped some coke in the fans' pocket and pretended that they had come into the stadium carrying, you know. But Dolan just like starts weeping wherever he stands and just, you know, tells his friends to hit the guy. You know, he's just, he seems like a delusional, crazy human. So with that, I think it's time to wrap the show up. I do think I'd like to end by reading a couple lyrics from James Dolan's song, I Should Have Known about Harvey Weinstein. We were friends, talked for hours without end about his latest story, how to deal with fame and glory. All the girls who adored him catered to his every whim. Nothing he could lose, all he need to do was choose. (laughs) I should have known, I should have known, I should have known. I should have thrown myself across his tracks, stopped him from these vile attacks. I should have known. We believed and didn't see through the lies he told us all. They led him to his endless fall. I should have known, I should have known. I will not eat green eggs and ham, <laughs> Sam I am. That's what, it, uh, anyway, so he's a shitty Dr. Seuss and also the line, all he need to do was choose is pretty fantastic. Um, and that is friends you wish you had. We are not those friends.
1: I would and, say is a money-making opportunity
0: for you Yeah.
1: You should you should become a Republican and should announce you're going to run against AOC um, in two years. That guy raised like 10 million bucks. Yeah. And and got slaughtered. You know, people just dumped money in his campaign. You know, and if you don't spend all of it, you get to keep it. So something to think about. I could see you in a red tie and a black suit. You could talk about your dad who was in construction, who loved the Donalds you know, and you, you know, we'd all be at your beach house to for, you know, two years from now, something to think about.
0: I, you know, I've been thinking that about that all my life. I mean, it's just, you know, there was an easier, there was an easier route. It seemed to me becoming a power in the Republican party than in the Democrat party. Um, well, I mean, quite frankly, if I was to be a Democrat, I would actually sit there and try to think of, like, good policies, and I would take it seriously if I was a Republican. I would just say whatever crazy shit I needed to to get a whole bunch of people riled up, and that would be easier. It would be. It's, no, it's no, easy. you're
1: leaving out the last step to give you money. Riled up oh, to yeah. send you money.
0: 100%, <laughs> yeah. It's a shame, you know. It's a, it's a good grift, man. But ben Shapiro makes, makes good money saying just stupid shit
1: but he's got to do it like every day. I'm just talking about short term <laughs> become, you know, you just run for congress, you know, um, 6 month thing and then let's, boom. Let's you're, ta- you're, you're putting out you're doing Facebook ads in like Kentucky and Alabama, send me money. I'm fighting to keep <laughs> America free of socialism.
0: Well, let's let's say I didn't have morals. Let's just let's just do this in a vacuum. It's too late for me, man. I'm 37 years old. My entire group of friends, my wife, everyone that I hang out with uh, is a a leftist, aside from like one or two family members who I, you know, dude, you sound
1: like the president of the United States right now. All you need is a couple birther tweets. I think Joe Biden was born in like Newfoundland or something. You're in. You're on it. (laughs) These people will take anybody who says, listen, I'm like you. And they're like, good. Nice to have you. There's no critical thought.
0: I mean, it's interesting. A lot There's of the no top...
1: background checks, you know, you just like got to look of... in the camera and say he wasn't born in the United
0: States. <laughs> <laughs> they just flock to you. A lot of the top Q influencers, man, it's a shame. So many of them like made a lot of their money. I'm not saying they were getting rich, but, you know, they would have like your whatever odd job in their community. And then they would make more money, like selling stuff through their Q promoting accounts and, uh, it really hit them financially when they started getting all thrown off of all those websites for saying crazy shit. I mean some of them are, you know, they're selling like I don't know what they call it, but they're selling like that bleach drink or whatever that people have been talking about.
1: They'll be they'll move on to the next grift. Those people are good at what they do.
0: I feel bad for some of the true believers. Not like super bad, you know, because
1: No, I get it. it's like you they, know it's done a lot of damage.
0: But yeah, but a couple of them, man, are going to hit. When it hits, it's going to hit hard. I mean, at the very least, like, yes, you know, there's enough cognitive dissonance there where, you know, even when Trump dies, they'll assume he's alive. I mean, there's like this new QAnon thing where where I forget, like Joe Biden, I think, changed his profile picture on Twitter from a color photo to a black and white photo. And within days of him doing that, or within weeks of him doing that, two other prominent Democrats or liberals also did the same thing. And so QAnon believed that that was, that was a way of signaling that these people had already been killed.
1: I got it. And I can that, see it. I can and, see it.
0: And that who you see in public is just the body double, and the body yeah, no, double... That's-
1: that's a lot of work, though, day after day. You know, to bring it back to uh, money, where we yeah, started. One,
0: one big campaign. You
1: really gotta now. Now the reward could be bigger. You know, You, the get, reward, to
0: keep you get to keep that money. If you I don't mean, spend it? you
1: get to keep it. Now there's rules that kind of govern how you can use it and what you need to use it for. But you know, it, it's not the uh, it's not. There's really not that much oversight over where those campaign dollars go. It's very hard to be. Uh, prosecuted for a campaign finance violation, you know, especially who's going to complain. You know what I mean? Who's going to complain now? I've obviously got to be a little discreet about it. You know, you're not going to win. Um, so if you get now the danger like Trump is if you get elected, that's the problem. If you happen to win, it's like a producers like situation where all of a sudden you get, you get all this scrutiny and then people want to look at your campaign finance reports and, you know, you could get into trouble. Do as I have long to as live
0: you in, lose. I gotta live in the district though, right? I think you have to live in the state you represent, not necessarily the same district. So I could stay down here. Yeah, I don't know if
1: you need to re- you might need in an address or something, but you know, short term. No one's following you around,
0: I would imagine. Uh, I wish I could find a better grift than that though. I like AOC, you know.
1: Of course. Well, no, this is good. You're gonna help her get reelected because there's no way you're gonna get you're gonna win.
0: Well, I just wish <laughs> yeah, true. Sure. You know, I could maybe, you know. Uh, All right. Well, I'll think about it. Think about it. Think. I'm just saying.
1: You know. Think about it.